Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. This episode's big idea is why improv can improve your communication skills and how to bring it into your daily life. My guest, Meredith Grundy, is an award-winning theater director, producer, and former Second City improv teacher who recognized the similarities between performing for audiences on stage every night and presenting to clients and colleagues every day. We discuss why improv isn't about being funny, how improv can improve your presentation skills, how to use improv to bounce back from failure, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Meredith. I appreciate you making the time. Of course. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I love to just jump right in. Improv is one of my favorite topics. It doesn't come up as much as I wish it would. And in previous conversations, we were talking about public speaking, but also communication in general, especially for entrepreneurs. Why is improv important? How did you discover this? What's the story behind this? Oh, well, I'll give you the cliff note version of the story, but I've been a performer my whole life, started off as a dancer, moved to the Bay Area, ended up in a sketch comedy group, which was super fun with a bunch of actors. We called ourselves Old Man McGinty. And one of the members, Ryan Golan, said, I'm moving to Chicago. I'm going to start studying improv at the Second City and at, uh, at IO in Chicago. And it hit me that that's what I wanted to do too. So I pretty much followed Ryan and I was married at the time. So my husband and I were uh, following Ryan to Chicago from San Francisco, where I interned my way through IO. And then I was also teaching after school programs for kids. I was teaching acting. And one of the core faculty members of the second city was there. And she, she liked my teaching style. She liked my pedagogy. And she said, Hey, would you come and be core faculty at the second city? Uh, because we're starting a kids program and we would love your insights. And I said, of course, I would love that. So there I am working at the Second City, help them develop this children's program that's now very large today and started teaching. I think I taught the very first kids class at Second City. And I pretty much think it was, it was, <laughs> I think I had six-year-olds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was pretty much like herding cats. I was wow. in my mid twenties. We would play things like, you know, imagine that you're picking stuff off of the, of the, you know, the, the, um, the shelves, at the grocery store, and what, what's the food item you have in your hand and put it in your cart and who can do it the fastest, or let's walk through pudding. And now you're walking through feathers and now you're walking on a cloud, you know, so we do things like that with them. It was pretty fun. And from there, uh, I was invited to start teaching the adult classes. And then from there, uh, I did a couple of things, which was formerly called BizCo for BizCo. So I was going into organizations and teaching improv. And then I got the bug teaching improv to organizations. I loved it. I loved going into these different businesses and corporations and teaching teams how to communicate better using improv as a tool to do that. And the fact that they were non-actors and they had these really beautiful aha moments was Awesome. I loved walking into a room and everyone, I get everyone up in a circle and they would be like, oh my God, who is this woman? What is she going to make us do? <laughs> like the resistance was huge most of the time, especially yeah. with engineers. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Right. Yeah. And uh, 15 minutes in, it's like someone for the first time in many years gave them permission to play and the room and the energy in the room would shift and it it was just awesome. And so I got the bug. And then from there, 
I would be invited to work with individual C-suites execs on their presentations for upcoming conferences and uh, enjoyed doing that one-on-one work with people as well. And that's how I ended up cultivating the business that I have today, which is Grundy Coaching. And I do individual and organizational coaching using improv as a tool to get people to feel more confident as communicators and speakers. Why should people engage with improv with the lens of a a big misunderstanding of improv is that, oh, it's about being funny, Mm. which is one of the things I learned at Improv Olympic and level one, it was, it's not about being funny. It's about being in the moment. Could you speak to that? Yeah. So, you know, Sharna Halpern had that book, uh, Truth in Comedy that she co-wrote. And I would say that is the, when you hear the words truth and comedy, it means that the, the funny is going to come from this, the place of truth, from the honesty of what was just said or done. Uh, and oftentimes people try to be funny and then they're, they're not, they fail at being funny. Cause right. Anytime we try too hard to do anything, we're not as successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also about, yes, being in the moment, being present, noticing what's there, what's in front of you and using that rather than trying to make stuff up. That's not there. Uh, so that's one of the muscles that I feel improv is really beautiful at cultivating is that presence, that Zen-like state that so many of us are trying to achieve on a regular basis. It really puts you in the present moment as an active listener, uh, with body language, physical communication. And if you're really in tune to those things, magic can happen. If someone wants to get started with it, what are some an exercise that you would suggest they give it give it a shot in, the, in their daily life in the business world? Well, one thing that we can intentionally try to do more of is listening and less talking. So I, I as an intention, I would maybe write that down on a post-it note. Today, I'm going to listen more than I speak. Uh, and then you really fo- focus on that being present. It's hard. Active listening is difficult. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So that would be one small little exercise that I would give your listeners. Well, this dovetails into this. It's got to come up in a conversation about improv, the yes and factor. Oh, yeah. Especially, I love it in context of listening. Mm. Could you talk about that a little bit, how to combine those two? Yeah. Well, we live in a either or kind of culture, if you will, or there's a lot of dualities, pluralities, however you want to frame it. And so what I have found really beautiful and helpful with the yes and mindset is that it's not necessarily about saying yes and to everything that you've just heard. Mm -hmm. It's about finding acknowledgement. It's at least reflecting back what you heard the last person say. All of us love, we, we need validation in our lives. So it's at least being acknowledged. Uh, And then it's okay if you don't have the same point of view, but where can you find that point of connection? Uh, That's where I feel like that yes and mindset has really helped me build stronger relationships and a stronger sense of empathy for people that may not agree with me. And another thing that we spoke about as far as, especially for entrepreneurs, that improv can teach you how to fail and try again. Maybe you'll fail again and you'll try again. Yes. What's, what's, what's going on with that? What do you mean by that? Oh, well, 
we have our first, let's, I'm going to back up a little bit too about our self-talk. The thing with oh. improv too, is it really highlights your negative self-talk. Like, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, that was a stupid choice. Or why didn't I say that thing? Or uh, I'm not as funny as I'd like to be. Or, ooh, that person was so great. Why can't I, you know, so you name it, we have it. We oh, all yeah. do, right? So what I really appreciate about noticing the negative self-talk in relation to failure is that we can look at failure and let it let it um, dominate and keep us paralyzed where it prevents us from moving forward. Or we can look at failure as an opportunity. And the way we frame our self-talk around that is like, I just messed that up. That was amazing. What did I learn from that? Oh. And then, right. And then you adjust and you, you make a different choice. And that's, what's so beautiful about improv is there's no real world consequences. So you can, you can fail, make a new choice and then try something out again, and then see what you've learned from that. And I always ask my students, how is that applicable now? What you just learned from this exercise in your real world situations, whether that be at work. Uh, whether that be negotiating with your team, whether that be negotiating with your family, friends, how is that applicable? And the lessons to be learned are profound. Well, it sounds like improv teaches you how to be more flexible too. Oh, I mean, heck you yeah. agree with that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, here's a lot. This is a, a, a kind of a mantra that I like to say that a mentor of mine said to me years ago, which is not too tight, not too loose. And that's what I feel improv has taught me is to develop that not too tight, not too loose muscle, which means that I cannot be too rigid in my thinking and my scheduling in the way I think the outcome is going to be. Because oftentimes, as we all know, uh, can I swear on your podcast? Shit happens, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It will happen. Um, and right. And then you have to, you have to adjust. And when you have built that muscle then it's, it's actually, it's a wellness practice. What do you mean by wellness practice? Well, when we hold too tight, it causes other problems. Like we, we have um, health conditions that arise. We let, we don't get enough sleep. Um, we, things can, can compound upon you when, when you hold too tight. And so what I love about improv is it really helps with that, um, that flexibility so that you can, take things as they come with grace and not be so hard on yourself. Which many people are. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I am not the queen of it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, I'm not perfect myself. So I always have to remind myself. I love the, that's why I love being on podcasts and getting these questions because I'm like, Oh, I could actually work on that too. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, thought. I think we could all work on different things when it right. comes to this. Right. And moving outside of yourself to the other person, another thing with improv is making your scene partner look good, always supporting them. There is no bad action. Talk about that in the real in the real world, because I think that's important. It's not just about yourself. It's about how you interact with the people in your world. Yeah, thank you. So there's that metaphor that I feel gets used a lot, but I, I, I like it because it's quick, which is the you're on an airplane and oxygen mask drops and you have to put yours on first because before you can assist somebody else. And in the world of improv, there's a couple of different philosophies, but the one that I gravitate to is you put on your oxygen mask first so that you can then have your partner's back, right? Mm -hmm. And so then what happens is then you can have 
the whole team. There's more of a holistic approach because if you're not, if you yourself are not doing the work, it's going to be really difficult to be supportive of your teammate. Right. Mm -hmm. And so forth and so on. And uh, I do love, I've got your, I've got your back mentality. And we would do that every time before we'd walk on stage, we'd look at each other in the eye, we'd put our hands on, on each other's backs. And just before we'd hop on stage and under those lights, we'd say, I've got your back. Right. That's awesome. And, um, but it, what's the crucial component to that is I am here. I am present. I've done the work on myself and I am going to support the heck out of you versus I haven't had that. I don't have that mindset. It's all about me. I am not going to support, you know, like we're not, we need to be more intentional with how mm -hmm. we enter into group dynamic. And with group dynamics, another thing to talk about is presentations. And even if people don't think of it, maybe it's a presentation to a boss, which is formal or a startup to investors. Okay. That's a presentation. But in reality, you're given on some way, shape or form, you're giving presentations almost every day. How can improv help with those with those presentation skills? Oh, great question. Well, so I in my group coaching program, it's called Confidently Speaking. I lead with improv for everything, and it's to help people feel uh, to develop more confidence as speakers and more credibility as speakers. And the whoop, and the improv piece of it helps you. Uh, adapt easily from these different situations that we find ourselves in, whether that be uh, you're pitching to one person or to a group of people, uh, whether that be you're doing a podcast like I am now, or you you know you need to start getting more on social media, you need to start doing more video. Uh, it helps you adapt to these different platforms and situations as a, a business owner uh, and as uh, somebody who is a part of a functioning team. What's a tool they could bring to a presentation? That's improv related or just in general? Um, you know, I'll, I'll open it up. Either one. Either one? Yeah. Um, a tool that they can bring to a presentation. Well, I can give, well, <laughs> I can I give, well, okay. The first thing that popped in my head was story, is to not be afraid to share story. And uh, as as easy as that might sound, mm -hmm. it's very difficult for a lot of people to share a story that's true, that is about them. And that is one thing that we do focus on, you know, in improv as well, there's a lot of storytelling in improv. So you get to work that muscle as well. Like how can, how do I speak my truth? It's not about somebody else and their experience. What is going to connect more with your audience is about you and your experience. And so I would strongly encourage that if anyone's going to bring a, a tool, the first thing they should be looking at is their story and how it relates to their message. Well, you said speak your truth. Tell me more about that. It what seems like a short but powerful statement. What do you mean by speak your truth? Oh, speak your truth. Um, for example, I was working with a team not too long ago and I was inviting story. And a lot of the stories started with, and they're fine hooks, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine you walk out to your mailbox to get your mail and uh, you get hit by a car, right? So it's an example that, that I'm using that kind of came from a workshop that I did not too long ago. So that's a 
that's a story, but it's not a story about the person who's telling. It's not the teller's story. So when I say speak your truth, I mean, tell me something that's truthful about you from your life. Show us some vulnerability because what we want to do is we want to build trust with our audience. And the Mm. quickest way to build trust with your audience is by empathy, authenticity, and then the logic piece, of course, your knowledge of of the subject. Uh, And oftentimes what I notice in presentations, especially um, with more internal presentations or client-facing, customer-facing presentations, is that people tend to leave out the empathy and authenticity piece. And we get a ton of logic. (laughs) We get a lot of data dumping. Uh, And so we're actually, when we're data dumping, we're missing an opportunity for connection. We're not making the impact that we can. Uh, We might come across as credible, but a lot of the information that you've just shared has has not been retained. So there's a lot of circling back. And it actually has a direct impact on, on the ROI when you do that. When you, when you just data dump, you mean? Yeah, when you just data dump, because then people need to do, for, I mean, you always want people to go, your hope is that people either want to buy from you or do further research, that you're sparking a curiosity, right? Like that is, you know, your objective is to inspire and educate, always leave them wanting more is a, a principle that I also learned from improv as well. And I feel that's true for presentations. If you give them everything, it's going to be hard for them to hear what the key points are, what the end in mind is, uh, and they're probably going to feel paralyzed and not want to continue being more curious about your subject. So is it sticking to one key point or a couple? I feel like it's really being clear about your end in mind and then knowing what the need to knows are to get you to that end in mind. And I would say most people can retain three to five points. Mm. Uh, some say seven. I, I feel different. <laughs> I think, I think our attention spans are shrinking. So seven's a lot, right? Yeah. Seven's a lot. So I, I, I feel like what we need to be better at doing is putting ourselves in the shoes of the audience and asking the question, would I, would I retain anything from this presentation? And if the answer is no, then you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to make it more engaging for your audience. It's all about audience engagement, story, and finding those three, empathy, authenticity, and logic, and, and seeing if those are well-balanced within your presentation. That, well, even then, that's three points. Easy to, easy to remember. Seven, listener might not remember it. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and it's, t- it's, it's difficult, it's difficult. And then you've got, you know, a lot of people still use tons of slides with tons of, uh, information on them. Uh, it, it's, it is, it's not helping. It's hindering. Well, we've covered a lot in a short period of time. If you want to, <laughs> to leave the listener with an actionable idea or an, an item, what, what's the most important takeaway that you think, whether it's something we've already spoken about that you just want to reiterate or something we haven't brought up yet, what would that one thing be? If you're going to take one thing away to use, what would it, what would you say it should be? Well, I feel like the first thing that people should start with if they want to start being more uh, present and forward as public speakers is to start with your self-talk. Notice what your self-talk is around public speaking in general. And when I say public speaking, and I know I've said 
alluded to this already, but it's networking, it's one-on-ones, it's uh, how you facilitate your stand-up, it's about your team meetings, it's about uh, social media, all the things, that's public speaking. It's not just getting up on stage and delivering a keynote. That is a part of it as well, obviously. Um, But look at that self-talk first and start to reframe it. So instead of I have to start saying things like I get to, Instead of saying, I hate this, say, I, I am delighted to have the opportunity. I chose this, right? We, I can understand that some people's situations are different than others. Sometimes presentations are imposed upon us, but we still have to take responsibility for that, that oxygen mask piece and say, I have made decisions in my life that have brought me to this point. I've chosen this. So it's my job to make the best opportunity and experience out of this. That's, it's a mind shift. And then we can start working on the nuts and bolts of how to be a better present presenter and inspiring presenter. Beautiful point to close on. Thank you so much. And if people want to find you online, where should they go? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn at Meredith Grundi and it's G-R-U-N-D-E-I. Uh, you can also find me on my website, Grundi Coaching. I'm on TikTok. Grandi coaching. I have a lot of um, value-packed TikTok videos that I give away. And uh, you can just Google me. You'll find me, I swear. Awesome. Thanks again. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into the Idea Climbing Podcast. If you'd like to hear from a lot more experts, the Idea Climbing book is now available at ideaclimbingbook.com. You can also hear more podcasts at ideaclimbing.com. Hope to see you in one of those two venues. Have a great one.